0: who don't know, the Free State Project is a movement of voluntary human action where we are trying to concentrate libertarians in the state of New I
1: think we've got done uh, more in the last decade than every other libertarian movement combined has accomplished in the last five decades.
2: and gentlemen boys and girls libertarians anarchists movers natives and those on your way thanks for tuning in for another episode of free state live where you get to hear about all the ways you can live free and thrive in the free state of new hampshire First and foremost, time to welcome everyone back. I'm Justin O'Donnell, former Libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate and author of Live Free and Thrive, 101 Reasons. Liberty lives in New Hampshire, and so should you. And joining me tonight, as always, we have Manchester's favorite family man and keyboard warrior extraordinaire, Kevin, from the Internet. How's it going, Kevin?
3: Good, good. I've been busy lately, so I've been lazy on the keyboard warrior part of that. but
2: You've been busy off the Internet? Yes. I thought you were from the Internet.
3: <clears throat> hey, I am. I've transcended the internet now it's it's a meme come to life it's a nightmare
2: uh so well uh, one of our favorite memes perennial candidate queen quill herself carla garrick is also back in the house how are you carla
0: hi i am great as always
2: fresh off your steam from nbc
0: Yes. So I did want to say one thing in case people have not seen this before. Um, There is this NBC series that is out. It is actually really great. I think it's fair and balanced. You know, I think they're doing a pretty good job. And episode 11, the last episode of season one, because I'm going to make sure we get to (laughs) came out and they had this little clip with Sununu And he said the following words, I would describe myself as a small L libertarian. And I certainly did pause my uh, player. And I was like, regardless of how good his definition is, the fact that we're in New Hampshire and the governor of New Hampshire is talking about big L, small L libertarian is massive, massive for our movement.
2: We've at least permeated the culture enough that people are aware of our our inside lingo at this point.
0: Yeah, they're speaking our language, if we're going to put it the way I would put it.
2: Yeah. And well, It's a great thing to speak in our language because we're getting more and more people moving all the time, and they're landing somewhere where they're right at home, and people can understand them. And tonight we do have another fascinating mover story. It's been a while since we've had a new mover story, um, but tonight we have someone. Who's escaped all the way from California, landing in the free state? Brandon Stevens. Brandon, how are you today?
1: Doing great. How's everybody? Hey, good, good.
2: So, yeah, let's start off the bat. What is the interesting one? How the heck did you end up here in California, <laughs> and what drove you to run away from Gavin Newsom's little earthquake-ridden hellhole to land in the free state of New Hampshire?
1: Well, I mean, you summed it up pretty well. I'll try to top that. Um, it it really is kind of like a, a journey. Uh, I heard about the Free State Project thing in like you know the 2019 ish. I'm like, what is this? And my wife and I, just after that, you know, in early 2020, had to deal with COVID. And it's like, you know what? We need to get the heck out of here because things are just going crazy. And we weren't even at a bad part of Southern California. And things were kind of nuts. Like, you know, it's, it's out there when you have clients that are like, we don't know if we're going to be in business. And then all of a sudden your family's like, we need to get out of here and go somewhere else. So we started looking at Texas, San Antonio, Texas, and uh, also parts of Tennessee. And then New Hampshire came up. And I'm like, you know what? We should probably look into this more. It started looking into what, like, the tax environment was like, started looking into what the culture was like. And uh, we actually came out for a visit a year ago and uh, got to meet some of the people, went to Murphy's Taproom. I think that was the first time I maybe have met both of you guys. Uh, Carla, I don't think you were there at that time, but Kevin was because he always shows up to internet people things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we we got a feel for it. We met up with a local realtor, um, a gentleman by the name of Zach. He's a pretty cool guy. He helped us out. And we decided this is where we want to make home.
0: Nice. Oh my goodness, that makes me so happy. Everyone knows I'll just like go on and on, but I will try not to. So you said in passing, you heard about New Hampshire or New Hampshire came up. Do you kind of remember what that was? Like sort of what was your point of entry? Because for most of us who've been doing this a long time, I'm really curious to sort of understand where people are hearing.
1: Uh, It was uh, through the Free State Project itself. I came across the website, and then I found that there was a Discord server and also a calendar of events. And I started looking at those things and said, you know what, maybe I should learn more. And uh, just started conversing with people that had moved here, started looking at uh, the events that were going on. And a lot of it really aligned with what we wanted to do, the kind of people we wanted to hang out with, and the kind of people we wanted our family to be around. And it it seemed like a nice cult, like you ever know how like puzzle pieces, culturally things fit or don't fit. It didn't feel like they fit where we were in California. It it really felt like things lined up well here. You know, we've made some great friends ourselves. Uh, Our daughter has just made some awesome friends and (laughs) we just had so much fun here at all the places to go. And it's, you know, sure we miss California, but it was getting back to your question, sorry. you know, finding out about it through like, I think I was on Facebook on the time is before I pulled the ripcord on Facebook and said, I need to get off of here. Um, I saw some posts on Twitter and I'd never used Twitter before last year. And just seeing some of the very based posts about, hey, we're changing things here. Um, the environment is changing politically, culturally, and it seemed to be going in the right direction.
3: I think COVID was was probably a big factor at the time too, which is like free staters were doing our own thing, pork fest. I mean, we just kind of marched on and was like, "All right, sure, good luck with all your lockdowns, dude. Like, <laughs> good luck with that." Um, whereas California, New York, Massachusetts were going in the opposite direction with a oh, lot yeah. of that stuff. So I think a. a I think you mentioned Tennessee and Texas and Florida. And I think the New Hampshire was an oddball that popped up in a lot of like the social circles because the media was talking put so much about Texas and Florida and Tennessee was on, on that list as well. And they have a pretty good Twitter account, but they're not doing what yeah. we're doing here. Um <clears throat> and, and, you know, I think that that drew a lot of people to those states, but New Hampshire ended up pulling libertarians out of that movement. Yeah. And that's where I think you, like you said, the cultural thing, that puzzle piece that fits is, yeah, you know, if you were conservative, I tell people like, yeah, go to Texas. You can go love Ronda Santos or do whatever you do in Texas, the alligators. But if you, <laughs> That's if you
0: Florida, I think, <laughs> I,
3: I don't know, they're, they're all the same. I consider Massachusetts the South. So to me, it all ends there, dude. Um, and, uh, but I think that that was a big draw for a lot of people during that, that COVID time was like, we pulled a lot of people and a lot of people found us just because like you said, the events calendar, what we were actually doing in practice was just so different. You know, yeah, definitely. I yeah, love that,
0: that you use that word practice because I don't know if you guys saw it and if you didn't, definitely go find it. But Jeffrey Tucker, I saw you have uh anarchist midwit there. So, <laughs> you know, I would say Jeff's probably anarchist PhD fancy bow tie type, you know. But yep. he wrote this incredible essay just recently that came out. Um, and I think it was called Eggheads versus Doers. And he basically loads the Free State Project. And he's like, you know, when people started with this thing, I wasn't sure. But these guys are the people who are doing it in practice. And, you know, when when you guys throw around the words based, I think I'm probably too old to pull that off. But but the idea is, you know, if there's this clarion call, I like to think that based actually kind of means doer, like someone who's actually willing to take action. and um, I don't even know. Actually, we'll leave it at that. But um, <laughs> but if you guys haven't read that article, I highly recommend you do it. So, Brandon, when you and your wife, and it sounds like you guys have kids, were sort of deciding. Um, talk us through just for new people, like kind of what was your process? Did you guys pick a place first?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. So it, I wish it was that simple and that concise. Uh, if if you've had you know any conversation with realtors here, you know what the housing market is like. It's a little crazy. It's a little small, but really hoping for some growth and expansion. Um, our process was. I wish I could say it was simple, but it is never easy. And I'll I'll tell other people too that have that have asked questions about like, you know, what was it like moving and uprooting? It's it's never easy. It really is an involved process, whether you're even a renter or you're selling a home, it's it's doubly challenging because not only do you have to find somebody that will take your place, you gotta line up where you're gonna land. And I think the best advice there is like, line up where you're landing before you like hit the eject button where you are. Make <laughs> sure that your job is gonna be good with you going. If you can work remote, if not, make sure you have something lined up. Uh, make sure you have a housing option I got super lucky on that front. Like we had closed on our old home and everything. And we had like two and a half months before our new home that we bought here was done. So I had to uh, rent a place from a free stater and it was awesome. And he was super, it was super cool about everything. Like I was able to, you know, work out very, very good payment terms and, and all that stuff. I got to use the address to move everything over, but the process it is a process like you want to make sure you have housing lined up, your income is lined up, that um, your stuff is going to get here. Like that was the biggest concern. Like you put a whole house in a container. Is it going to show up? Is it not going to show up? And then it shows or it's up, going to show
0: up and you're going to get blackmailed to get it off the truck because that actually has happened.
1: That happened to a friend of mine when they moved from California to Colorado, they got blackmailed by the moving company, Mm -hmm. they doubled the shipping charge, it was like 8000 and they doubled it to 16. And they said, Do you want your stuff? Or do you not want your stuff? But thankfully, we did not have that experience. (laughs) Uh, We used, like there's pods, there's like x shipping, there's, um, I don't know, there's a few of them. I looked at so many, my eyes bled. (laughs) <laughs> but you can find a good deal if you're flexible on timeline, then that's the important thing is being flexible on your timeline because things are going to happen. You're not going to be able to account for every scenario. And I tell people this too. It's like when you make a big move like that across the country and it feels right, that, that tells you you made the right decision. Like moving here, getting into the community, getting all of our stuff, getting unpacked. And the mover crew, I really have to shout out uh, Chris Lopez and the mover crew. They had our stuff unpacked in like 40 minutes flat. I didn't even get back with pizza and beer. And the ah. container was empty and they're standing around like, hey boss, what do you want us to do next? And I'm like, I don't know, like take a nap, like five minutes here, have some pizza, beer. It The the whole moving crew is awesome. and um, But that's what you have to look forward to is when you get here, you're welcomed with open arms. And people just bend over backwards to help you out and make you feel like you are home
3: it's Uh, easy it's easy to get plugged into the community like you know wherever you land in the state there is a group of porcupines somebody somewhere you know or if you're in manchester or seacoast some of those concentrate areas or if you have the quill or if you have um the shell or somewhere to kind of congregate it makes it even easier but like you said with the calendar and and everybody is very open arms when you when you come out here it's a very interesting different community even me as a native like new hampshire people uh you know so i know someone who says like they're na- like natives are polite but shy. Uh you know and it's and it's a very, fairly true statement. Um but again me walking into free state events, I'm a social butterfly and it's very easy to be a social butterfly cuz again everybody's hey, what's going on? What are you up to? Like very find your niche uh within the movement and I think coming from California or wherever you are, it's very easy to plug yourself into some of those events, make some friends and kind of get yourself going. I'll see there. there's Chris right now. <laughs> always always in the mix chris lopez <laughs> um so what what else have you gotten up to now that you've been here in new hampshire you, i know i i think i was at an event with you we went out shooting and i had never seen a california compliant gun before <laughs> Uh because again I'm i I'm a oh, native. Uh, and, was it a shooter? I, I was so fascinated. I was like, you have to do what? Like I just had no, I'm like, this is so unfamiliar to me, dude. Like I wouldn't have even bought one. It wouldn't have been worth it. Like, you know, oh, yeah. I, can to, I can go to Home Depot
1: and get
0: this. I can throw it really hard. <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah. it's, it's funny. Like uh, you you mentioned the shooting events. That's something that I find very interesting out here is the, the gun culture is very different. And um, it's, it's a relief for me coming from a place that literally would throw you in prison. If you happen to have, you know, more than 10 rounds in a magazine you bought after 2018, it's, I mean, gun culture is a big thing out here and I love that there's ranges everywhere. Um, There's undeveloped land that, you know, it's totally free and legal to go and shoot on people have a uh, common use property and they just got to post if shooting is allowed or not and it's um it, it's wonderful like to just be able to say oh hey you know if i feel like open carrying today cool i could do that if i want to conceal carrying all right cool you can do that too you know and there's um a very different like perception around it too people see a gun and they don't have a panic attack they just go oh hey what what do you, what do you got there what yeah. that looks a little different it's a little shiny. what is that Oh, what's that little red thingy on there? It, it, it tells you if it's loaded. That's kind of dumb, you know, like stuff like that. But uh, yeah, just be glad I didn't bring out my old A- ARs that were like California compliant. They had to be like break top and no removable magazine. That's the first thing I did is throw all that crap in the trash yeah, and like that's... switch it over to normal. Listen, you know?
2: even my family in Massachusetts, like during the Obama administration, when it was gun control, gun control, gun control, like I had family just started buying. Left around there, I right, gotta buy a new AR. Gotta buy a new gun. Every they're gonna ban guns. They're gonna ban guns to the point where, like, I have family members who just have safes in their garages like, with more <laughs> guns than they know what to do with. Mm. And like at this point, they've reached out to me. They realize, oh, well, they're not actually gonna ban guns. They don't have the uh, balls to follow through with on that. It's like, hey, do you know anybody who'd be interested in buying any of these? off I'm like, no, they're all masked compliant.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah.
2: um, he's, um, he's like, I paid twelve hundred dollars for this. I'm like, I'll give you two hundred for parts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, you can convert and save a lot of those, so that that's pretty cool. But I mean, guns aren't the only the only thing here. I, I really, like I mentioned, you know, some of the family events, um, farmers markets. Oh, I was so surprised to see that there are like there is a whole calendar of farmers markets posted and available, and um, I forget where exactly, but literally every small township has a farmers market at least twice a week until uh like mid-october which was yeah. really nice because if you want like farm fresh food mm-hmm. um eggs being able to go down the street a mile and buy eggs from my neighbor for three dollars and then send a picture of how much i paid to my coworkers in california are paying like six bucks a dozen i'm not trying to flex <laughs> on them i'm just telling them i got a better product <laughs> that's all um it's amazing like uh, you know and then uh shout out to bardo farms and duck and those guys there they always have fantastic quality foods too. And just the, I think that's just it. The quality of food that you can get here just from your neighbors, from your local community, heck you could grow it yourself if you got enough land, you know, and almost everybody has enough land. If they've got a single family home, it's amazing. And and that's something we really look forward to is a part of that self-sustainability portion. And it's I mean, not to say that I'm an eco friendly weenie, but I mean it's it's definitely oh, one of those things like where nature. you want to be,
0: there's nothing wrong with
1: that. yeah, <laughs> you want to be conscious of what it is that you're producing and consuming and having animals like chickens and a garden and stuff just mm-hmm. kind of gets you towards that neutral territory. And you know, it's like there's nothing like having more pride in in, hey, I grew this myself. i I made my own food, I have my own chickens. Uh, we got our own eggs, like that kind of stuff. So we're looking forward to that. And I've been told by a lot of people that like raising chickens and guinea fowl is a nice project for your kids too. So we'll try that.
0: Yes, oh, yeah. or for you know other people because chickens are kind of—they're really fun. They're awesome. <laughs> Highly recommend. It's like you have your own little small dinosaurs just <laughs> running around <laughs> the backyard. I mean, what's not to love? Oh, <laughs>
1: well, and then you can three D print those little T Rex arms. My, my <laughs> wife told me I have to start making those. So yeah. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. So um, actually, as you were talking, it kind of struck me that in some ways, you know, we've jokingly over the years said that we're kind of a refugee program at this stage, right? Like, I think that COVID really leaned into that sort of narrative and story more where people were literally fleeing totalitarian regimes that were saying, we're going to dictate what you put on your mouth. We're going to dictate what you inject in your body. And actually, we're going to do that to your kids too, right? And so people fled that. And so when you were talking, it's like, it's almost like an immigrant story, but there's like a happy ending in the sense that there's actually, like, instead of going into a concentration camp, you get to come to the best place in America, probably one of the best places on earth in terms of, hey, if, you know, shit goes to hell in a handbasket, we will survive here. We've got water we got land, and we got backyard dinosaurs, right? We're gonna make it, we can eat. And we got Bardo. And so it's sort of exciting. As you were talking, I got really like jammed, jazzed, I guess. Because it's like, well, it's like the refugee story, except there's there's this little community that's here to catch, to help to not make it that frightening thing. You know, when I came to the States, I had two suitcases and seven grand. I didn't know one person in America, you know, like, and it's like, well, it's a lot easier as people come. So do you have like pet pet passions, obviously guns, sustainability, like if you were to get wrapped up in some of the activism, where do you feel passionate?
1: Uh, I mean, I've, it's, I'll be honest. It's been overwhelming in that regards. Like I've got my hobbies that I've always had. Like, um, one thing that really attracted me to being closer to the lakes region is Laconia and Laconia motorcycle week is a big event. And I have a, an older friend who lived here about 14 years ago. And he got to tell me like, Oh, it was so great. We'd go to Laconia and just do all sorts of crazy stuff. And there's all sorts of shenanigans. I'm not going to elaborate. You guys probably know better than me. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that was a big part of it. And I've always been really involved in like motorcycle community stuff. Like California motorcycle community is huge. You get about 300 days a year that you can ride. So it's been a little bit of a shock. For me because riding season stopped like October 15th and you pack your stuff away and I'm like well I cried a little honestly <laughs> um, so that's one thing but I they're immediately like my first new movers potluck there's guys like oh you like motorcycles let's invite you to the writers group and I'm like sweet when's the next one they're like May 4th yeah. I'm like okay <laughs> I'm in, I'm going to reserve it now, you know. And um, also
0: snowmobiling's fun. I mean, it's also got a nice charm to it. If you're into that kind of speed, yeah. I, I recommend. I really enjoyed yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's that's something that I see, like signs, because there's train tracks nearby here, uh, bright orange signs they put out that have no snowmobile access. And I'm like, but that's the best place to go, because it's a <laughs> yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, that, that's one thing. Um, aside from that, like I, I'm pretty much a workaholic. I, I have my own business that I run on the side, and it's been very accommodating being out here, having some time zone advantage because a lot of that's my clients sweet. are in California. So it lets me get a, a leg up on making sure they're all taken care of before the workday starts for them. You know. Um, aside from that, it's just mm. really you know spending time with the family, going out and doing stuff and finding community events to go to. Um, like i think the fun spot is like our next our our favorite place to go to and we made a you know friends with another family like 20 minutes away um and we try to do fun stuff with them every so often too they they just had a kid a little bit ago too so our daughter's like all in love with that but i mean it it sounds very cheesy and corny that it's family focused but i mean we get to focus on what matters here and i don't have to worry about oh what's the next crazy mandate coming down that's going to affect my kids school or you know put my clients out of work or some crap like that you know
3: And not a lot of that here the overall tax burden i'm sure is a notable difference within the oh, like a calendar yeah. year of of kind of looking in the rear view mirror now getting a chance to like kind of compare or even something like down the street you can just go buy eggs or you can collect rainwater no one cares yeah. california And just- i love
1: the no sales tax portion too that just like We bought so because we moved into a new home. We sold everything when we left California. It's like, hey, guess what? Appliances are on sale at BJ's, and they'll deliver (laughs) it to your house. And I'm like, really? And we ended up getting like appliances without having to pay the state extortion fee. And it's it was just jaw dropping. Be like, we we saved how much money? Like that that's a big allure, and a lot of people don't realize how much that impacts their daily life. Not having to pay that extortion every time you buy something or get gas or you know, buy a toy for your kid or something.
2: Well, I I mean, the taxes thing, that's something I think a lot of people didn't really appreciate until COVID. Because like, we've always talked about how we don't have sales tax and no income tax and nobody really appreciated it. Until once COVID started forcing people to work from home and people realized, oh, I don't need to live in Silicon Valley to work in Silicon Valley, I can live in Montana or New Hampshire right. or New Mexico. Once people didn't need to live in Boston to work in Boston, like, oh, I can telecommute from the north country in New Hampshire just fine. All of a sudden these states are like panicking about their lost revenue. Yep. And trying to tax people in other states. And that's new like such a realization for so many people it was like oh i can get a 15% raise on my annual salary just by moving to new hampshire without even changing jobs just you're just going to take less from me and i'll be able to live better
1: yeah that's a big it's definitely a big deal and you know unfortunately i'm still battling that out with california because mm-hmm. they always want their 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 pound of flesh no matter what but my taxi guy was like super excited. He's like, dude, your taxes are going to be so easy. You're going to get so much money back. And I'm like, can you get me zero so I don't have to pay anything? And he's <laughs> yeah. like, we'll work on that. Don't worry. We got it.
0: <laughs> goals. Yep. I like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's
2: perfect. Yeah. So w- w- now that you've been here, what's something that you weren't expecting that's different than you expected, or that maybe you weren't prepared for that. If you could go back and do things over, you'd prepare for, or expect differently. Um, for those who are looking to come, those who are in the shoes, you were trying to make that move. What piece of advice would you give them having done it?
1: Ooh, man, that's a, that's a big one. It's, we were kind of surprised by a few things coming out here. I mean, I guess, um, really understanding what the true cost of moving is and i'm i'm talking Mm. more than than dollars i'm i'm talking like how it's gonna separate you from your family we had no idea that um travel back to california to visit family would the prices would double in the span of six months that was unknown of like we we had budgeted to go visit like every six months or whatnot and just something happened with all the airlines like six, eight months ago, they started closing down or something happened. I forgot exactly what all their pilots
3: but, started dying.
1: Dying.
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, well, some weird coincidence. Started yeah, it was a, I guess. Oh, it's a coincidence. <laughs> but that was an unexpected thing where we had anticipated, like we worked it out with our family. Like, Hey, we're going to go back and visit. We're going to set up these times. These are, these are the, when we want to visit you. And, It just it really put a damper on that and um, really made us realign our expectations in the sense of okay how often can we really go visit family maybe we should encourage them to come visit us Mm. and then you remember that they live in a state where the cost of living is like 30 percent higher and they probably don't have that thing called disposable income Mm, so that puts some strain on familial relations and it makes you reevaluate how you stay in contact with your family so It's like, you know, talking to your parents every week. Whereas, you know, when you're in your thirties and maybe talking once a month, I don't know, maybe I'm just bad at it. Sorry, dad. (laughs) Um, But it's like, now we just exchange memes every day from like 9am to noon and, you know, we chat and stuff, but it changes the cadence and the type of communication with old friends and family. I, I try to stay in touch with, especially, you know, people who still live in our, our old parts of Southern California. And, um, you know, I, I, I lament with them on how bad things have gotten. I try to give them some copium and say, hey, you know, there is a place where it's a little better. And if you come out here, you won't be alone, you know. And try to try to prime it a little bit like it's th- not a big state and you won't be far and we could be neighbors, like move into my town, maybe come visit, you know. So I, I'm guilty of doing that. But that yeah. that is probably the biggest one is, you know, that expectation of, how it's going to affect your family. Because some people, maybe they're lucky. Uh, I, I say lucky, but maybe they just don't have, you know, family nearby or their family retired out of state a long time ago. And it's easy for them to pick up and move. But when you spend almost 40 years of your life in a place around the majority of your family, it's not easy to, to pull out and move across the
0: no and it's it it actually in the true sense of the word is a sacrifice i think you know it it is again staying with the narrative you know if if things get really bad then it's sort of like people are building a safe space somewhere so that's one way to look at it but also just start actively thinking about life hacks right like you you you're like oh we do sunday calls and we just actually put zoom on the computers and like eat at the same time so everyone's kind of you know or a brunch or something where you're so you're actually like interacting like you would you know like kind of normally i guess uh so there's like weird things you can do for that but but yeah it's not easy i mean moving Candidly is, I mean, it's in the top five crappiest yep. things you can <clears throat> do in life, right? Most so stressful. it's a big yeah.
1: ask. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then the the knowledge and knowing that that ask is because you are building a better future for your children <laughs> in a place that, you know, I I think we we stand a pretty good chance of actually, I don't feel like it's getting much better anywhere else, but it's it's definitely getting better here. So You know it's exciting when people come and they're like we can do this and we're gonna do it we're doing it actually is the answer
2: you also talked about like a great point about like how small new hampshire is compared to just about everywhere else (laughs) and how close everyone is together like I live five minutes from Carla and I hate that drive. It's so yeah. awesome. Like, I am so spoiled growing up in New England where, like, everything is conveniently right around the corner. Um, I have another friend who did just move here from Los Angeles. And she moving up to the lakes and I was joking and complaining. I'm like, I'm never going to see you. You're never going to be around. You yeah, know, Moving all over to the lakes, she's like, it's only an hour. I had that's to drive farther far. than that to see it's friends in an Los hour. Angeles.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. like from one end of town to the next.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like for me five minutes across the bridge is like nah maybe
1: uh, yeah like
2: that's that's a lot to ask <laughs> <laughs> but people who grew up in los angeles are familiar with like or, or, or had texas. family on different sides of texas yeah like it's it's not even a day trip it's that's just a matter of course commute to drive an hour to see somebody so in two hours you can get everywhere in new hampshire yeah
1: Yep.
0: And, and actually, I did want to say one other thing is, of course, with the plane tickets, that's inflationary. I mean, that is sort of part of the narrative that we are, you know, doing this for. Right. And we're hedging as a community against the troubles we see ahead. And so with the plane tickets, I mean, it was the same thing for us. I was like, no, we rely on going places. And once the government gets their grubby little paws into everything, you know, the airplane tickets, it's all of that is the market, it's inflation, it's money printing, it's the public health policies they put in, it was the mandatory jabs. I mean, you know. all of that is also like, well, thanks government, but no thanks.
1: You yeah, know. big, big part of that too, because my father-in-law wants to get his pilot's license. So I think we we're having a conversation at one point and I think, think it was in like 2018 or 2019, there were some changes to um, uh, what what was involved for instrument-rated pilots in terms of the amount of hours that they could actually be in the air and fly. And then the union or the pilots association basically almost tripled the amount of hours that were required Mm -hmm. to be certified. So, I mean, you talk about like market controls and how things happen. You have one singular regulatory agency that determines your ability to become a pilot and they effectively cut out the bottom three rungs of the ladder. So now you've effectively created a scarcity in the marketplace because where, where are we going to get pilots? Well, it takes them three years, over 3,000 hours to get instrument rated for a 28 to $35,000 a year job that has them working 10 to 12 hour shifts. Oh, by the way, just like anything transportation related, related, you can only work so many hours before they tell you to stop doing what you're doing. Well, how do I do that on a transcontinental flight? Like, Right. I mean, right. so it's an artificial scarcity in the marketplace, prices fluctuate, and then you got stuff like Southwest pulling the plug on flights all over the place that happened to a buddy of mine.
2: Wow. Well, welcome home. So glad to have you here and so glad to have everyone else soon. We know you're on your way. Um, if you guys want to learn more about the Free State Project, if you're watching from abroad in one of those shithole foreign countries, as we like to <laughs> call them, they, the okay. 49, as Dennis Pratt calls them, but I'll stick with my Trumpian verbiage. Uh, head on over to fsp.org. To learn more about the organization, mission, what we're doing, and how you can help and get involved. If you want to plan your visit, fsp.org slash visit New Hampshire, you can get in touch with Chris Lopez and get that visit planned. Um, it's going to be a great time. Meet your neighbors. And if you're already here or while you're visiting, check out the calendar for the most jam-packed calendar of events in the world, uh, centered around libertarianism, all over the state, every day of the week. Uh, you can try to do them all, and you won't. Uh, it, it's a great way to burn out, but it's a great way to have a great time burning out. I, uh, I tried it once. <laughs> it's literally not possible. You'll, you're exhausted. You'll get sick. It's not uh, healthy. We, We do have two really cool events coming up, though. First and foremost, uh, is it this weekend we have Ithaca? Uh, It's uh, on
0: Thursday, lunch noon at the Shell on Thursday.
2: So a screening of a documentary about Julian Assange's trials and tribulations and what his family went through uh, trying to help him. You can go to tinyurl.com slash Ithaca, New Hampshire to reserve your tickets. They are free, just limited. Uh, so head on over and get your RSVB today. And then, of course, coming up around the corner, Pork Fest. Carla, are you excited for Pork Fest this <laughs> year? I am. Ooh, I you. have uh,
0: stuff already. Right. Hold on. I got to move it there. So this is an uh, earring.
1: Uh, for pork fest
0: 20 (laughs) and yes i'm very excited everyone needs to get their tickets it's going to be bananas i was talking to dennis earlier today i mean he threw so many numbers at me my head was just spinning so he's making it magic as he always does so i'm so grateful to him as well
2: well it's going to be great fantastic so again head over to porkfest.com right now get your tickets if you don't have them get your reservations and your campsite motel whatever you want because there's hardly any left and you're yeah. gonna you're gonna be uh i mean i've i've done pork fest in the backseat of my own car before i don't advise it um if you no and people should be looking room. at
0: campsites around hotels yep. around or airbnbs or other campsites and you're just gonna have to drive in and, and be responsible when you're partying hard
2: yeah and it'll be a great time and worth every minute and yes. if you want to support the mission of the Free State Project, head over to fsp.org give. And remember, the Free State Project is a 501c3 charitable nonprofit, so it's way better to decide where your money goes before Uncle Sam wastes it. Uh, that is a tax-deductible donation. And you can support, again, fsp.org give, one time or recurring basis. Reach out. Let us know how you want to help. Kevin?
3: Join the Discord server. Come hang out with me and Brandon over there. <laughs> that's that's all we do. It's terrible. Every day. Yep, pretty much every day for years and years and years now. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: well, thank you so much, Brandon, for coming on, everybody for tuning in, watching. Uh, leave some comments below. Let us know what you thought and who else you'd like to see on the show in the future and what topics you'd like to see us talk, cover in the future. And until next time, stay free.
0: Peace out, guys.
1: Seen the rest I just wanna be the best at what I know. Better than the rest, just watch me grow. Put me to the test and watch me go. This is my quest, I'ma make it known. They call me
0: obsessive, oh I know. Call me selective.